a new year, please, we have plenty in the back. Take a look. The river needs you. We need you. Need you. We all need each other. Have a happy new year. Thanks, Pierre. Just to reiterate, there are those programs just out in the lobby. Uh, those did not come in the printed program this morning. It's a separate sheet of paper. So if you want to find out more about the campaign, pick one up as you leave. And we are going to have that campaign going all the way through to the end of January. But, but don't wait too late. This is a good day as any to go ahead and fill that out. And uh, you can leave that in the box or give it to a pastor on your way out. Um, so it's great to be here in this space. What a way to kick off a new year. I want your help in welcoming our speaker this morning as we invite up Amelia. Come on up, Amelia. Good morning. Thank you, Mike. So as Mike said, my name is Amelia. I'm the Children's Program Director here at the River. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. So I remember the first time that my then two-year-old daughter played hide-and-seek. She was so giddy and excited that she was included in this game of big kids with her older brother and his friends. I was it, so I did the counting, and I had to look for everyone. As I entered the living room, I heard a soft giggle coming from the toy box. My daughter was probably hiding inside, and she was probably peeking and was able to see me looking for her. I didn't want to find her right away. So I played along, and I pretended to look under the couch, under the table, lifted the blanket. And then I said, hmm, I wonder if Leah's here. Are you here, Leah? And my daughter quickly answered, not here, <laughs> followed by more giggles. So my daughter was old enough to understand the basic concept of the game, but she hasn't quite mastered the tricks yet. So even though my suspicion was confirmed, I continued to play the game, and eventually I lifted the lid of the toy box, and there she was. And she was laughing so hard. She had a lot of fun, and, and I did too. It was such a short, simple moment, maybe less than a couple of minutes, but it was one that, cher that I cherish so much, maybe for many years to come. We were present for each other. There was attention, there was interaction, there was participation, sharing, and enjoying who we are and whom we are with. You too may have similar memories. It's fascinating that some experiences end up being very meaningful, becoming core memories, ones that are embedded deep in our minds, while others, despite the efforts and intentionality that are invested into them, they don't seem to stick so much. As we are entering the new year, um, we tend to be optimistic and motivated. Uh, some of us may like to make plans or set out resolutions. And some of the most common resolutions sound like, I'm going to lose 
20 pounds. Or I'm going to give up alcohol or smoking. Or something like, we will cut sugar in this house. Or screen time. I want to be more involved in my kid's life. I'm going to save an extra $5,000 this year. And these are really good goals, and they are important things. And we do this because we believe that they are good. We believe that they are going to improve our lives, and maybe other people's lives too. But as we approach the end of the year, we tend to be more subdued and reflective. We may want to recall and reminisce all the things that have happened thus far, making accounts, maybe savoring some of the good ones, and regretting some too. There was a book by Bronnie Ware, an Australian nurse who worked in palliative care. And she wrote a book titled The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, where she shared insights gained from her conversation with individuals nearing the end of their lives. The common regrets expressed by people on their deathbeds include not living true to themselves. Many regret not having the courage to live true to themselves, but rather living the life expected of them by others. Working too much. Some express regret about not prioritizing other aspects of life, such as family, relationships, and personal well-being. Not expressing feelings. For example, not telling people they love that they love them. Not resolving conflicts or expressing grievances. Letting friendships slip away. Not putting effort to stay in touch with their friends. Not allowing themselves to be happier, such as letting go of worries and enjoying the simple things of life. I have noticed something about this two lists that we have. In the beginning of the year, our lists tend to be about working for something, working for someone, working with someone, being for someone, being for something. Yet towards the end of the year, or even towards the end of our lives, Things that end up meaningful to us tend to be things about being with. Being happy with myself. Being with my family. My friends. Being fully present with all the life that all that life has to offer. Being with seems to matter a lot. Samuel Wells, the author of a Nazareth Manifesto, argues that working for something or someone can be immensely rewarding. Whether it's baking cookies or helping someone carry their groceries. There's an end result. And it affirms us as people with skills, 
and abilities and compassion. It feels good to be able to give or serve. And in many cases, we do make other people's lives materially better too. When we consider the professional structure, such as medicine, law, nursing, divinity, environment, education, the dynamic between the benefactor and the needy is accentuated even more. There's a relationship of inequality. Working for assumes that there are deficits on the receiving end. And I imagine this does not always feel good. Being constantly on the receiving end can feel helpless, even humiliating. Another model, working with. Working with others can create a sense of partnership where contribution of different skills and experience are brought together around a common goal. In this model, the goal is not so much about giving people better material condition, but also making new people inspired and empowered. Examples such as a community kitchen or a farmer co-op market. Working with is about realizing that a social problem is everyone's problem. And everyone gets the sense of um, satisfaction at resolving the problem together. Being for is about being on the right side of things, having the right attitude, without necessarily investing in the same way that working for and working with require. Examples include voting for something or someone, or being an advocate. Working for, working with, being for, have significant places in the world and are very necessary. But being with is a whole other experience. It adds an extra dimension to our lives. Being with others means sharing the same experience or space or journey or vulnerability. It means having the patience not to search around for the light switch, but sit side by side for a time in the darkness. Being with means laying down our judgments and not focusing on the limitations of others or seeing them as objects of our charity. Being with means delighting in their company and accompanying them in finding their fullness of life. Being with is not easy, especially for smart, capable, intelligent people like us 
who probably habitually like to fix things and always want to improve conditions. But sometimes, maybe even most times, some things aren't problems. And some problems cannot simply be fixed. For example, my children, my two children, are not so little anymore. I have a twin and a teenager. I have to remind myself that being an adolescent is not a problem, despite the complexities that come with the age. There's no fix for being both curious and impulsive, creative and argumentative, moody and excitable, all at the same time, a lot of the times. Parenting children of this age requires a lot more being with, such as not so quick to correct them, <coughs> rather giving room for them to make their own mistakes, or not making every moment a teaching moment. There are times when it's best to just let them lead you. And oh, it's not an easy switch. Because for the last decade or so, as parents, I've been doing them a service. I've been working for my kids, being for them. Another example is when my dad was dying of cancer. My siblings and I decided to come together and be with him and my mom in his last moments. Now, cancer is a problem, but this one was not easily fixable. Our family had considered and explored a lot of options, but at some point, the only thing you could do is to just focus on being with. Sitting through the quiet moments together Sometimes, wondering if we have indeed exhausted all options. Wondering if we're grieving properly. If we should say another goodbye or we should try to be more lighthearted. Not working for something, not working with something, in times like this can feel painful. Being with can take a lot out of you. It can take a whole person. Which leads me to wonder how we have become so untrained in being with. And how maybe paying a little bit more attention to being with could potentially make a whole world of difference in our lives. You may have heard this passage more than a few times this Christmas season, but it is a good one. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So before there was 
anything else, there was a width. There was a width between God and the Word. There was a relationship, a precursor to everything that we know. The entire creation was born out of this connection and alliance. And when the Garden of Eden was completed, it is said that God continued to be with creation. Genesis 3 verse 8 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So God and creation, God and us, continue to be in one reality, to be with one another. At the beginning of our fall semester at River Kids, we asked the children to close their eyes and imagine what it's like to be in this garden. And one child said, I saw God, and he was happy with me. It seems like the longing and the joy for being with is embedded in creation, in all of us. The experience of separation happened when we ate the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Ever since then, our perceptions about God, about ourselves, about each other, and about the world change. Our perception of the reality was distorted. We distrust God, we blame each other, and we become very anxious about the world. It's almost like we forgot how to just be with. To be with God, to be with ourselves, to be with each other. Because we are constantly putting conditions and judgment on everything. The world is no longer as enjoyable. Something to be cherished and appreciated. The world is now a broken place. Something we need to constantly fix or even fear about. Our lives need continuous improvement. Our children, our family, our friends, oh, tell me about them. They need a lot of work too, all right? There's a saying if all you have is a hammer, then everything else is a nail. So when we are consumed with fixing things, saving the world, alleviating our limitations or desperately avoiding mortality, we may end up hurting people, hurting ourselves. We cause more disconnections, and we become more isolated. Samuel Wells wrote that our predicament as a modern society is not limitation, but isolation. <clears throat> so when the word became flesh and dwell among us, 
This is truly good news. Our deep longing, our quest to be with, was fulfilled and satisfied through Jesus. They will give him the name Emmanuel. This means God with us. In Hebrew tradition, God is referred to by various names. Some names that you may have heard are Jehovah Jireh, translated as the Lord will provide. Jehovah Rapha, translated as the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisi, translated as the Lord is my source of victory and protection. God is indeed our provider, our healer, and our protector. God is working for us, working with us, and being for us all the time. But it is not why God is here. When we consider God's intention, it is for nothing less than to be with us. Being with is God's desire too. Pastor Allison talked in her Advent sermon that it's always been God's desire to be coming closer and closer to us. Not that God has been, uh, was ever remote or distant from us, but our perception of God, God's closeness to us, is one that changes over time. <clears throat> so I'm not saying that we should not work on ourselves or try to improve our lives in the world. Expansion is inevitable. It is the direction of our world and our faith. Losing weight could mean having more energy to play with our kids. Quitting smoking allows us to lead a healthier life. We may breathe better, feel better, walking longer distances. Being diligent with our finances can open up many opportunities. Traveling together, sharing meals with friends. So if making resolution is something that you like to do in the new years, please do so. I want to encourage you and support you in all the ways that you want to expand. Being with is not meant to replace working with and working for or being for. Rather, it is a reminder of who we are and why we are here. Being with could help us be more whole, connected, and satisfied as we continue to pursue life. Samuel Wells described eight aspects of being with Things that we get to discover when we focus on being with. And they are presence, attention, mystery, delight, participation, partnership, enjoyment, and glory. So as we are closing our Christmas season and wrapping up the year, 
working for and working with have done their stuff and achieve all that they set out to do. How about we spend a couple of minutes practicing being with? After all, being with is why we do church. So let's close our eyes and let's do an imaginative prayer together. Place yourself in your last memorable gathering or an imaginative one, maybe with your friends or family. Use all your senses to bring the scene to life. Imagine all the details. The time of the day, the lighting in the room, the background noises, maybe the feeling of the couch or chair that you are sitting on, or the floor beneath your feet. Who are present with you in this place? What do their faces look like? Do they look happy? What kind of stories are they sharing? What does it feel like to be here with these people? What do people think about the music or the food? Is there a favorite? Look around the room and notice the different interactions. Is there anything that delights you? What do you appreciate about being here? Being with these people. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of being with. Thank you for embracing humanity, for desiring and delighting in us. And for Emmanuel, the promise to be with us always. Amen.